The following podcast is a presentation of Liberty Christian Fellowship, loving God and loving people in a hurting world. For more information about our church, visit us online at libertyobx.com. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates and encouragement. We hope this message inspires you and blesses you. Now prepare your hearts to hear a powerful word from God. God bless. Good morning, y'all. Hey, I'm going to move, um, bear with me for a second. I'm going to move some stuff around just for a minute. Um, well, I'm excited to be here to share with you guys this morning. Um, our, we're in the middle of a sermon series. Oh, thank you, Melinda. Um, Melinda's not only my friend, good friend, but um, Melinda is what I call, somebody told me, few years ago that whenever I went somewhere or spoke, I needed an armor bearer. <laughs> and um, Melinda is my armor bearer. And I am so grateful for her friendship because I know that I can count on her to c- cover me and to help me and to be right there by me. So anyway, I just want to say thank you and I love you. Um, we're in the middle of a sermon series called This Is Us. Now, it has nothing to do with the TV show, but I just want to know, has anybody watched that TV show? Yes, John's watched it. If you haven't watched it, I just want to tell you a little bit about it because it started last year and um, it looked like a really good TV show. I was interested in watching it, but it also sort of had chick flick kind of thing written all over it. Anyway, we watched the first show and it was really confusing. My husband was at home and he sat there and made noises and grumbled the whole time. And, and, and it made the show so unenjoyable. Well, the, the next week it came on, I'm like, all right. And, I, and plus I was confused. So the next week I started watching it. And he's at home again. And I finally, like 15 minutes into it, I'm just like, forget it. We'll turn on something where people are shooting and killing each other, and you'll be happy. And um, we're not going to watch This Is Us. So I didn't watch it. But um, I was in a Bible study last year, and Micah Daniels um, was riding with me. And she said to me one night when we were coming home, she goes, Miss Catherine, do you watch This Is Us? And I was like, no, I can't watch it in my house because it's just torturous to my husband. And... um, (laughs) So therefore, it's torturous to me. And she's like, it's really good. She goes, it's not like a Christian show or anything. She goes, but it's really good. I think you would enjoy it. So, you know, we can watch stuff on the internet now. So I started watching This Is Us. I picked up where I was watching it on my iPad. And I'll never forget, because if you, if you do watch it, there's like triplets and two or, two or white, and one is a... a, a, a a black guy, and then there's, so you've got three storylines going all at once, and then it weaves in when they were born and when they were growing up, and so if you don't know what's going on, like if you turned it on on Monday night whenever it comes on Tuesday, you'd go, there's six things going on, and I don't know how they connect, and so I was, I remember I had it on, I was making up my bed, and all of a sudden I'm like, I get it, that's who they are, that's them back then, this is who they are. And if you don't watch it, then you're just lost right now and you think I'm crazy. But there was a point at which I got it. And so that's my setup for today. What we're talking about with we're studying the book of Ephesians and we're mainly in the book in chapter four, but Ephesians was written by Paul. Paul, Christian killer. Christ lover. 
And he starts us off in the first three chapters of Ephesians by saying, these, these are your riches in Christ. This is who you are. This is your inheritance. It's amazing. And then the last three chapters, four, five, and six is, and this is how you're going to walk it out. And so we have instructions for how we do it. Very applicable instructions for how we do it. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. But, but what I'm saying is you can read 1, 2, and 3 and go, wow, I got this, I got that. I'm seated in heavenly places. I have all these heavenly riches. I am who God says I am, but now 4, 5, and 6, this is how you walk it out. And that's what I hope is that maybe we make a little bit deeper connection today, and some of us might be going, this is it. I get it. I get it. So there's my little connection with the movie, um, I mean with the TV show. All right, so let's go to Ephesians. I am your family, so y'all are going to let me be me, and um, I usually read. I usually read my Bible off the internet, and I am convicted of doing that because you know why? I have my iPad out, and then my little Facebook thing comes on, like somebody sending me a message or a news. Anyway, it's a distraction. So I'm going back to the paper Bible. So that's going to take me a little bit of time. So bear with me. And plus, my eyesight is um, limited. Okay, but let's. Um, I'm in Ephesians 4, and I'm just going to review where we were last week, um, and I'm going to start at verse 1. And bless you, Jody. Maybe you, Jody. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Because see, he's been talking about our calling. With all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with, the, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit, in the bond of peace. So he's pretty much saying, check your attitude. What's your attitude? There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So we've got a lot in common. One Father, one spirit, one baptism. We're unified. Verse 7, but. <laughs> Don't you love it when somebody goes, well, you know, I will, but. Or anything, and then they add a but, and you're like, now what? So we got a but. We have a but here. But. <laughs> but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And so that's our text for today. So we're going to start off, and um, I have um, the Passion Translation, which I've been reading that. Um, I just refer to that. And it doesn't use the but, it uses an and. Um, and he has generously given each one of us Supernatural grace, according to the size of the gift of Christ. So we're going to talk about grace today. Um, but first, let's break this verse down. So I did the but. To each one, to each one of us is given. That means if I went around the room, I named each one of you. No one is excluded. Every single one of us are given 
grace. We're all individuals given grace. So what is grace? What do you think about right now? What do you think about when you think about grace? Breakfast. My dog. My dog is named Grace. There's children that are named Grace. We use the word grace a lot, but what does it mean? What does God mean when he says, I've given to each one of you grace? Grace, when you look at the word grace, it means cherish, um, unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor of God. Wow. We are free in Christ. We didn't deserve grace. We didn't earn grace. There's nothing you did to get grace except for be you, believe God, and receive it. God's unmerited favor. But we have a description there. We're given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. What is the measure of Christ's gift? What is the measure of Christ's gift? What is Christ's gift? It's salvation. We can look at Ephesians 2.8. You're in Ephesians, so that's real easy to get to. Chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God. Grace changes everything. And then I'm going to go through the next part, and we're going to go back to some of this in a second. But then it says, therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led host, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Well, this is a reference to something in Psalms, but it's also a very clear picture of a conquering general or king that is returning ascended to Jerusalem, returning to Jerusalem, ascent, coming back after having been in battle, and he's usually leading a procession of captives, of prisoners that he's taken, and then shares the plunder with his people. This is a picture of Jesus ascending to heaven, having led captivity captive. What is captivity captive? What holds us captive? Death, disease, sin, Satan. Jesus has got him captive. And he gives gifts to all men. And then it goes on to say, nevertheless, I tell you, oh, no, excuse me, that wasn't it. It goes on to say um, in verse 10, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Well, we're not going to get into the details of all that because some of that is... Uh, over my pay grade, um, but the part about he, that he might fill all things. That he might fill all things. We're the all things. We're the treasure. We are the jars of clay that he puts a treasure in. Jesus said, it's good that I leave. In John, we know that he tells his disciples, it's going to be good for you that I leave. Why would it be good for him to leave? So that he can send his Holy Spirit. And Jesus has poured out, the Lord has poured out who Jesus is upon all of us because we are his body. 
when we receive, each one of us receive the giftings that God has given us, together we make up the body of Christ and we're able to cover the entire world. When Jesus was here, we'd have to go visit him. We'd have to go on the trip with John to Israel in March and visit Jesus if he were in Jerusalem. But now, Jesus has got the whole world covered because he's poured out his gifts on his whole body. And we are his body and he is the head. We have this treasure in jars of clay. The light of Christ shines in us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God shines in us and through us. But we've got to walk in unity. That's what this is about. We have to walk in unity. We have to, though, embrace the differences of our giftings because not one single person is Jesus. But all of us together, we got him covered. He uses us. We need to be the unified, powerful body of Christ that we are called to be. And it is for such a time as this. Is it not? What, what is grace to you? What grace has you, have you received? When you're singing that song today, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me, what is grace? What, is your, what grace has God bestowed on you? I know for me, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed what he's just done for me. As I said, Paul, it's, I would encourage you to read the whole book of Ephesians during this month. It's not that long. It's good to be in the Word, and it's a great book. <laughs> um, but go to chapter 2. Paul as I said, who persecuted Christians because he knew what he was doing was right in the name of God. Now, passionately carrying the word of God for Jesus. Look at this, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Think about it. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You're, you, were, you were dead. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And then for grace, by grace you have been saved. We are seated, Jesus is, seat, is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And our spiritual position is that we are seated with him. That is our position. Let's walk like it. Let's live like it. So, when the, wor when the world sees the body of Christ operating as the body of Christ, don't you think the world is going to be drawn to the body? 
Don't you think people are going to want to peer in and go, I don't know what it is, but I want that. I need that. Don't you think they're going to feel at home and feel welcome? Great testimony this week from the men's Wednesday night fellowship about feeling welcome. Don't you think that the world will want to experience an invitation into the body? As we exercise our spiritual gifts, we are going to extend his role throughout the world. So let's look at ourselves and ask. First, it begins, have you accepted the gift of salvation? It absolutely begins with that. Am I saved from God's judgment? Have I placed my trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and am I following him? Not are you perfect, not are you good, not are you cleaned up. Have you trusted Jesus, and are you following him? Am I committed to the local body? That would be this body if liberty is your home church. But are you committed to a local body where you are discovering and expressing the gifts that have been poured out on you? If you viewed yourself as a servant with a ministry, what gifts do you have? Think about that. What were you created to do? What makes you tick? You know that sweet spot. You're doing something and you're like, this is what I'm made for. Some people it's hospitality. Some people it's teaching. Some people it's serving. Some people, I mean, the gifts are enormous. But what makes you tick? Here's another one. I asked you this question a couple weeks ago. Pastor Scott was preaching and I closed up with it and I've been thinking about it ever since. Are you satisfied? Are you satisfied with your life? I believe that the Lord has created us to be completely satisfied in him. I know for me there's been seasons of my life where I am totally dissatisfied with things in my life. And satisfaction comes when I press in closer to the Lord and I get him to bring that satisfaction to me in whatever void that is. And it's pretty much every single time, those major times of dissatisfaction, it's drawing closer to him. It's drawing closer to him, taking my eyes off what I'm dissatisfied with and pressing into him. So I want to ask you the question, are you satisfied? Because if you're not, Press into him. And I think it's good. I think I'm going through another little period right now now of being dissatisfied. I don't mean I'm dissatisfied with the church or with you or with my family or anything, but I'm just dissatisfied, and I think God's saying, come closer. Come closer. So grace. Let's talk about grace a little bit more. We've just, we just, we, we can't really, it's, I almost, I feel inadequate talking about grace. But grace, here's a few things I wrote down when I was preparing yesterday morning. <laughs> grace is more than just getting off the hook for your sins. Grace is you receiving everything that God has for you. Yes, you're forgiven, but it's receiving everything that he has for you and walking it out. Um, that. What do you call that? That's it, an acronym. God's riches at Christ's expense. 
Sometimes if you're sitting there scratching, what is grace? God's riches. God's riches. God spoke and created everything. God's riches at Christ's expense is grace. Grace is not simply leniency when we've sinned. Grace is the enabling gift of God not to sin. Grace is power and not just pardon. I used to think that grace was just me being forgiven. But grace is the power of God that enables me to live above, to rise above, to not sin, to forgive, to be who he's called me to be. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives within each one of us if we have, been, if we have trusted Jesus as our Lord. That same power lives within you that raised him from the dead. That same power can overcome the trials of this world, the darkness in this world. Grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. We have the favor of God. Do you know who my daddy is? You know, we say that, who's my daddy? Do you know who our father is? We have his favor. We have his backing. Grace is come home child. All who are lost, who are weary, who think they've messed up so far that they can't come home. Grace is come home. Come home. Grace is this is where you belong. We sing that song. I love that belong song. (laughs) Wrapped in grace, in the Father's arms, this is where you belong. Grace is mind-blowing. Grace is not fair. It does not add up. You cannot make sense of grace. Grace costs the giver everything, and the receiver, it costs nothing. But trust and belief. There's a quote by John Piper that I think will, oh, it's there. John's so good. Grace is not simply leniency when we have sinned. Grace is the enabling gift of God not to sin. Power, not pardon, not just pardon. Another quote by Alistair Begg, God's grace and goodness not only cleanses us from the penalty of sin, but enables us to deal with the power of sin. Grace changes everything. And this is why Paul in Ephesians, Paul again in Ephesians chapter 1, he starts off by saying, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you that you would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know God. That the eyes of your heart would be opened, enlightened, so that you would know the hope that you have, the riches of his inheritance that you have, and the incredible power for those who believe. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The same power that puts Jesus above all. Everything is under his feet. Name above all names. That is what Paul says. I'm praying for you to know. That day I was making up my bed. I'm like, I get it. This is who the TV show. It's all three of those people and it's showing their life. I got it. But this is a prayer I would encourage you to pray over yourself. Pray over your family. 
It's in Ephesians 1, like, um, what, like 15 through 23. Pray that as a prayer, a declaration over me. I want to know you more. I want to have the eyes of my heart enlightened. Pray it over your family and watch God work. Pray it over yourself and watch God work. I was reading a little book a, little book a couple of weeks ago. Melinda and Nancy Shell and I went to an RTF conference in um, Asheville, Hendersonville, North Carolina. It was great. Um, and it goes along. I wanted to share a couple of things I've been chewing on from it. It's called Grace and Forgiveness by John and Carol Arnott out of um, Catch the Fire in Canada. But it's called Grace and Forgiveness. And I'm going to share a few things that I've been chewing on. And again, it's like stuff I'm chewing on for myself. Um, doesn't mean that I got it, <laughs> but it means I'm trying to get it. I'm asking the Lord to help me get it. Um, and so I'm going to share a few things with you and let you chew on them too. Um, if, if you've had children, um, been in love with somebody, love somebody, you know, we know how deeply I love my dogs so much. I mean, I do. I love my dogs. If you know me on Facebook, you know I love my dogs. But, you know, we love our, the love I have for my children. My daughter's here this morning. I mean, when she was placed in my arms, when she was first born, oh, talk about getting it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is how much my parents love me. It's so much. More than I thought even though I knew they loved me all their life. But we just scratch the surface on trying to understand how much God loves us. So when we talk about it, we limit it a little bit. But, so just know we're scratching the surface, the surface of this love that he has for our children. And he, according to the riches of Christ, according to the measure of Christ's gift, he's provided a way for us to be free and to live in this sweet spot with the Lord. But there's something that can unhinge it, and that's unforgiveness. If you look, um, if you will turn with me um, into Mark chapter 11. I love this. This was another set of scriptures that, personally means a lot to me. Mark chapter 11. I'm being obedient and opening my paper Bible. Yes, thank you for your patience. Um, Mark chapter 11, verse 22. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. That's awesome, right? Take God up on that offer. Believe, receive, pray. And... With that, let's go to the next part. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father, who also is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. So we see a link between our faith, the working of grace, and forgiveness. Forgiveness, unforgiveness, short circuits the power of the kingdom and is the number one grace blocker is one of the premises that they were making in that book. 
I'm like, wow, and look at this world right now. Everybody's offended with everybody. Huh? Short-circuiting the power of the kingdom. Well, what are we going to do about it? This book had, had a, a, this is what I want to talk to you about today, that believers, believers, not just people, but believers can live on one of two levels. We can live on the justice level or we can live on the grace level. Karma, get what you deserve, riding down the road, somebody cut you off, you're going to cut them off. You know what I mean? Something big that you could never forgive somebody for. Little tiny offenses. We had a great women at the well this week because it was all about forgiveness and identifying the severity of holding a little grudge. The thing is, though, God is a just God. There had to be justice for our sin, and Jesus paid it all. So justice has been fulfilled. Why is it that we want to live on the justice level and see everybody else get what they deserve? You don't want to get what you deserve, do you? (laughs) I don't know what I said. You say it. (laughs) I don't know what I said. You don't want other people, you want other people to get what they deserve, but you don't want to get what you deserve. Did I say that? (laughs) Um, In Matthew 18, we see Peter, and I'm going to, we're not going to go there. I'm just going to paraphrase some of this. But we see Peter who is what? Disciple raised Jewish Israelite under the law, right? Following Jesus. So he's been raised under Jewish tradition, but he's been following Jesus. And he's like, hey, this is Matthew 18, 21. He's like, so he's thinking the law is eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? But he's been walking with Jesus, and he's seeing kindness, compassion, mercy. Everybody welcome. So Peter says, hey, what about this forgiveness thing? If somebody sins against me, how often should I forgive them? Seven times? He's putting together the law and the grace and going, yeah, I'm going to do it more than what an eye for an eye is. Jesus blows it out of the water and says, nope, it's 70 times seven. It's infinite. And then Jesus tags on the, par- uh, the parable that really blows us out of the water that goes on in Matthew, verses 23 and 25, and I'm just going to sum it up real quick. He tells the parable of the unforgiven servant. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like this. It is a king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. There was a man who owed so much, and different commentaries say it was probably 20 years worth that he owed. And I was thinking this morning, I'm like, what did he do? A servant. Really, though, think about it. Because if, if you've been raised in the church, you know this parable. But I want us to see it with fresh eyes. What did he do that he owed 20 years worth? What could he have done? It must have been big, Right? Right? And he was going to take his wife and his children and sell them, the king was, to pay back his debt. 
And he begged for mercy. And it says that the master had compassion upon him, had pity on him, and he canceled his debt and he let him go. And so then what, did, what do we know he did? He went back out and he found somebody that owed him a day's wages. Big deal, right? He found somebody that owed him a day's wages, said, pay me back. He begged for mercy, threw him in jail. Word got back to the master that he had thrown him in jail. So he said, okay, to you who I've forgiven a lot, now you're going into prison. You are going to be imprisoned until you can pay that 20-year debt off. And he handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. And Jesus says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Anger, bitterness, and resentment will eat you alive. Our sins are are cast as far as the east is from the west. Why do we want to keep bringing them up? Why do we want to keep bringing everybody else's up? Uh, Forgive them. Let them go. Let them be put in God's hands. Yep right? Why? Let it go. You would be a lot lighter if we would let it go. I wanted to have the little kids up here singing, let it go, let it go. Um, <laughs> but you know, it reminded me of a time, my, my youngest son, who um, was 21, I remember my pastor, when he was growing up, he was like, Catherine, Mac doesn't understand forgiveness. He keeps confessing the same sin over and over and over again. He shot out our neighbor's windows. Um, they were old windows, and they were piled up against the garage, an old garage, and they were in the back. But he shot them out with a BB gun, he and another little friend. But for years, I'm not talking about, for years, he would go to George, our pastor, and he would conf- every everything. And children's sermon, they let him sit up front. I shot out my neighbor's windows. With, you know, it, it's all horrifying sometimes. But, but George says he doesn't understand forgiveness. And I thought, well, I've tried to teach him about it, but there's something about us that we don't even want to let ourselves off the hook too. You want to keep rehearsing it over and over and over again. And you want to rehearse your neighbors over and over and over again. But the thing is, is when we do that, we're living on the justice level. And we're on the justice level. We get what we deserve. Everybody else gets what they deserve. And we don't get the grace. We got to be up on the grace level. In grace, we don't lose. In grace, we're covered. But in justice, we get what we deserve. Does, is there anybody in here that wants to get what you deserve? <laughs> no. Let's live on the grace level. The enemy has access to us in the justice level because that's why Jesus says that that guy in that parable, he was going to be tortured by the jailer until he paid it back. You know, the word even tells us, and we're taking communion today, and I'll just say this, the word even tells us that we should examine ourselves when we take communion because we can drink judgment on ourselves. If, if we would just judge ourselves and quit judging other people, We are suffering needlessly when we don't live in the full measure of grace. And this is where, this is where it gets me because um, in this little book they were challenging us with, what's your thought life like? <laughs> and he was saying like 80% of your thoughts are probably negative. And if you just want to be real general about it, negative is from the enemy, positive is from the Holy Spirit. So if 80% of your thought life is negative, I mean, what are you thinking about? 
What are you speaking about? We know that the word tells us that our words have power of life and death. Paul even goes on into Ephesians in chapter 4, which maybe we'll get there. Build each other up. Let only words come out of you that are encouraging, edifying, building each other up. So check your thought life. Check your speech. Could I be living? I know I'm convicted of it. I don't know about you, but could I be living more on the justice level than I am on the grace level? Forgiveness is a gift, too. It's not a, you better forgive or else. It's a gift. You get to choose where you live. You get to choose whether you let it go or not. It's your choice. You got it as a gift. Now you need to extend it as a gift. Um, I'll tell you <clears throat> these three stories real quick. I'm not, not the whole story, but there were three stories told in this book that really got my attention. One was of a woman. Hold on a second. Mm. braces in my 50s is just really kill, killing me. Um, you, mouth gets really dry with braces too. Um, y'all didn't need to know that, but you do. Um, there was this woman who was beat, left for dead, gruesome, and she heard this message on forgiveness, and she realized that she needed to forgive her perpetrator for her own sake. And it was gruesome, and she was left damaged, broke all the bones in her face, her ribs, and everything else, and she was disfigured. The testimony goes that she went and asked for prayer and chose to forgive that man. And as the, where the testimony comes from, the pastor that was praying with, with her, and there were tears, and then there was audible cracking of bones. She moved from the justice level to the grace level. And her bones and her rib cages, rib cage started coming in line with where they were supposed to be. She received healing physically when she extended forgiveness to someone that she had held on for so long. Do you believe that that could happen? There was another man whose son had been killed um, in a drug deal. He, it was at, he was mistakenly shot for someone else, but it was a drug dealer that did it. And the father was eaten alive with anger, as you can very well imagine. Maybe you can't imagine, but I, like what that would be like. And he, this was a long, a long amount of time that he agonized over it. And he knew, though, that he needed to forgive the guy That was the only way that he was going to be free is if he would forgive the gentleman. But he was talking to his pastor, and he was like, but he doesn't deserve it. And the pastor said, and you don't deserve it either. So he mustered up the strength with time, wrote him a letter, and sent him a New Testament. That young man was sitting in prison feeling like his prayers were hitting a brass ceiling And he received that letter, and that broke him. Eventually, they met each other. And when they met each other, the father went to the prison and washed his feet. They became friends. He became his son. And there was a relationship and a bond. We watched that story as a testimony of him going from the justice level, eaten up with anger, eaten up with pain, to the grace level. 
where there's restored relationship that is unimaginable. God doing the unimaginable. Both of them free. Not free from prison for the one who did the killing, but free from the torture of the enemy. And then there was a story of a man who just came up for prayer, as many of us do on a Sunday morning. He had been in a car accident like 50 years ago, and he was in pain. And just, you know, body hurts, and he asked for prayer. And the pastor asked him, well, have you ever forgiven the guy that hit you? Well, I don't need to forgive him. Insurance settled it up, and it was all covered, and I just got some pain, you know, right? He's like, well, would you like to forgive him? He's like, well, sure. So what he did, he walked through a prayer, and he forgave the guy that caused it. He said that you don't, in prayer, he said, you don't owe me anything. It's all covered under God's grace. God's grace is sufficient for me. Man didn't come up for healing, but you know what he walked away with? Pain-free. Healed. Unforgiveness is a grace blocker. Then here's the other one. Frustration with other people's, like, like, your, like other people's sin makes me sin. <laughs> I get all mad at them because they're sinning. Well, guess what? The cycle just gets bigger because now I'm mad, I'm frustrated, I'm holding a grudge because you're sinning. Why did I do that? But we all do that because that's where our thoughts and our words, we see that in our thoughts and our words. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. I'm going to do a little exercise here, and I just want you to bear with me. We all have cell phones, right? And we all have flashlights. Don't you love it? Where's the flashlight? Got a cell phone. Get it out. Um, When we look back on... um, the Roman era, Christian persecution, darkness was so dark, but the light of Christ was in them. That same light is in us today, and the darkness is getting dark. I think, the Lord gave me this, I will tell you this, I was sitting here Sunday morning, he said, do do this little exercise with the light in a dark room, and this is a dark room. The darker it gets, the brighter the light gets. And then Monday morning, I wake up, 20 dead in Las Vegas. Before the day's out, 60. The darkness is getting darker. But the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same light lives in you now. This is for such a time as this that we are to be the united, powerful body of Christ in this world. We can't make everybody do it, but we can do it here. We can do it here. Don't feel, oh, I got a light. (laughs) You don't need to turn the light on. Crack myself up on that one. Um, Isaiah 60 says this, arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, the darkness covers the earth. And the thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. If we would be who Jesus has called us to be and embrace his gifts and walk it out, each one of us doing our part, united, the world would want to know. 
we have these treasures in jars of clay. What we proclaim is not ourselves, but it's Jesus. Let the light shine out of darkness. It's shown in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. My little light's not that bright, but you turn the lights off, it gets brighter. If we all put our lights on, we'd light up the room, and it's just a dumb Apple phone. (laughs) Right? But the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. So I'm just going to ask Pastor Scott. He's going to close us up today and take us into communion. What grace have you been given? Have you received God's gift of salvation? Where is God calling you? Who do you need to forgive? Somebody? Yourself? And move on. Get on the grace level. And let's go. Thank you, Catherine. It was awesome. Um, it was awesome this morning. I hope you heard that. Uh, that's, um, it's funny. That word just seems to be coming over and over and over. John 1.16 says, From the fullness of His grace, we have received grace upon grace. From the fullness of His grace, we have received grace upon grace. And the thing that was occurring to me as Catherine was sharing today, how often are we looking for something in the house in my house yesterday, it was rice-a-roni. And we, we assumed that uh, we didn't have what we needed, so I wound up buying some on the way back home from somewhere else, only to get home to find that we already had what we needed in the house. It was there. And uh, we have received grace upon grace. The issue is we don't need to go looking for somewhere else for it. We need to walk in what has been given to us. So... This morning, I want to do this. If I could get the, uh, uh, our uh, communion team to go ahead and come on up front here, um, and I'm going to give you some instructions for uh, taking communion in just a second. And uh, Leo, go ahead. You can go ahead and play um, some music back there for me. I want us to take a minute and take stock, to look inside, to embrace what's been shared with us this morning, that you have received grace upon grace. Grace has been extended to you in Jesus Christ. So therefore, this morning, if you're looking in your heart and there's that thing of unforgiveness towards yourself, if you have unforgiveness towards someone else, or if you're walking in the pain of someone who has has hurt you and they have unforgiveness or you've hurt them and they have unforgiveness towards you this morning, That's not something you have to carry anymore. It's not something you have to walk in because grace upon grace is offered to you. So in a moment of, of, uh, of, of courage and bravery here this morning before we take communion, if there's somebody that you know that you need to forgive this morning, is that you? A show of hands this morning. Anybody? Somebody you need to forgive. Anybody here this morning knows that you need to forgive yourself. Anybody this morning? Scripture tells us to confess these things among one another that we may be healed. That's all that is, just obedience to Scripture. So let's do that this morning. Let's pray together that this is a moment of grace.
that forgiveness was purchased on a cross 2,000 years ago. And so the power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is present this morning for you to receive forgiveness. To empower you to release that thing yourself. To forgive yourself. To lay it down. And that if you're carrying the pain this morning of needing forgiveness from someone else, that God would empower you to even take the first step in that today. That His grace upon grace is available to you. Father, I thank you this morning that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the resurrecting power of the Holy Spirit, has poured out grace upon grace out of the fullness of grace. But right now in this moment, there would be people that would be set free. As they just simply say the words, I forgive myself. I don't want to carry it anymore. The penance that they feel that has to be paid has already been paid. Jesus did it.